Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined by John the Stud Ronaldo. John, how's it going today? It's good. I'm doing a little dancing right now. I know people listening don't see me dancing, but I'm dancing right now because you know why? Why? Because we're on the third week of Advent. It's Gaudaute week, Gaudaute Sunday, and we're called to be joyful, so I'm just dancing. Um, if that's you joyful, I am <laughs> disturbed. Uh, as you should be, as you should be, Chris. <laughs> John is doing the best dad dance I've ever seen in the world. Um, if I was uh, one of his daughters or his son, I would be truly embarrassed right now. But, uh, you know, maybe maybe we can um, maybe we can uh, record that and uh, and share it as a meme on uh, social media. <laughs> yeah, there but, you uh, go. But there no, you. no, it, 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 it is a joyful time of year, right? Because uh, we are so close to Christmas. And um, I don't know about you, but I, I'm pretty excited. Um, time with family, time to just to relax and, and rest. And, you know, as a, a parish youth minister, um, it's, it's a, a chance just to kind of disconnect a little bit from, you know, the grind that comes with youth ministry and get ready for a brand new year. Um, and, uh, John, I, I'm not sure what, what that's like for you with the parish success group. I'm sure things kind of just kind of wind down as well. Right. Oh yeah. People look, nobody wants us to come into their parish during Christmas or new year's. And so, uh, I've got about a two and a half week break, uh, from some of the things I've got going on. I still have some work to do, but I'm hanging out at home with the family and kids and really just enjoying the season. And, uh, I always try to be intentional about taking a substantial amount of time off during this season. Um, and to be with family and kids, not always been possible, you know, but, uh, um, I am just looking forward to uh, really here in, in a few days, you know, I'm going to get that chance to just be home and be with the kids and be with my wife and, and celebrate. And I'm very excited about that. I always look forward to this particular time, especially these two weeks of Christmas and New Year's. Awesome. Awesome. When you were, were working for uh, the diocese, um, uh, what, what was this time of year like for you? Uh, it really, the closer we got to Christmas, the more things died down for us again, because parishes, are getting ramped up for, for everything they're doing for Christmas and, and Advent, the last few weeks of Advent, that, that uh, it really got mellow. Um, and that was true with the closer we got to Easter as well. As we got to Holy Week and whatnot, you know, things really mellowed out because, again, parishes are so busy that my diocesan ministry um, really slowed down because my entire job was to go and serve and, and be available and work with uh, the parishes. And you know, you work when they're available. And if they don't want you there, you, you don't, you're not there. And so, and I get it. Holy week, Christmas time, you know, things, things slow down to us and work for sure. Yeah, no. And, and I can appreciate that. And, and one thing we haven't talked a lot about on this podcast is the role of uh, diocese or diocesan directors and just even the uh, functionality of that. And, and while I don't have really experience, you know, working for a diocese, even though I've worked with um, diocesan directors in different capacities you have. Um, and so one of the things that we thought would be a good conversation for today is to talk about just diocese and uh, the role that they play in the parish. And, you know, if you're uh, a parish employee listening to this, um, maybe we can shed some insight on um, ways to engage your diocesan directors um, or uh, representatives from the diocese. And uh, if you're a diocesan um, employee listening to this, uh, you know, maybe we can give you some affirmation or uh, uh, just uh, 
uh, encouragement in, in the roles that you take because you know john from my perspective and of course you can correct me um on this uh given your experience that the sometimes working for the diocese must feel a lot like working in an HR department, right? Lots of responsibility with no authority. <laughs> yeah, that that's actually, say? yeah, that is fair. I hadn't thought about that before, but it's true. You know, and, and I, I worked uh, eight, a total of eight years in diocesan offices. So three, three years I was in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles and five years I was in the Diocese of San Jose. And, and both those positions were in youth and young adult ministry positions. And so uh, very pastorally oriented. And, and one of the first things I did when I was in diocesan position is be very clear about what my role is as a diocesan youth and young adult ministry person, is that I felt like there was a lot of energy for diocesan offices to put on big events um, and like big youth days and things like that. And certainly we did that. You know, we did youth days, we did retreats, we did, we did all sorts of things. But more important, and I learned this from, from my mentors, especially starting in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, is that more important, my job was really to support and help develop the leadership in parishes and schools. And so a lot of our focus was really about how do we develop leaders within parish ministry and within school ministry? Because here's the reality, and I would always say this, it, um, you know, I could have put all this energy into a five-day youth retreat, which we did in the Diocese of San Jose. It was a great experience. It's still going on. It's been going on for 20 plus years. But I could put all this time and energy, and everyone knows youth events, for instance, take a lot of time and energy, I can put a ton of time and energy and have these kids come to these events. But if they go back to their parish and there is no dynamic or good youth ministry, for instance, then how does their experience on that youth there, that retreat, continue when they go back home? And so I often treat it as like if, there's, if they don't have anything at home, then that experience that I just spent a ton of time and energy developing for people is kind of wasted. Right, because it's got to be fostered at home. It can't just be a once a year thing. It's got to be an everyday thing. And so, my focus in, in my diocesan position was always about how do I develop leaders. And we would do catechist certifications. We would do coordinator trainings. We would start giving them skills, much like what we're trying to do here on the church podcast. You know, is provide resources to help our leaders in parishes to become better at what they do. And what can I do to walk alongside and accompany them? on their journey. I would certainly have ideas of what I think they need to know, but I also need to do some listening to really understand what they are looking for, what they wanted. And so I always try to, to find that balance in diocesan ministry. So I'm going to go back to something you were saying before, which is when um, you became a diocesan director initially you thought part of that was to plan events you know for churches and uh for the youth um in, in, of those churches and everything um where did that come from that that perception why did you initially believe that was what your role was supposed to be there was pressure from uh certain people in the diocese that i worked in to to do that and and quite honestly that was kind of the norm across the country too, right? So when I looked at my colleagues across the country, they were doing a lot of youth events and, and nothing against youth events. Youth events are great, especially when we do DAS events, get, get a critical mass of young people together, for instance. Those, they're powerful. They are powerful. So I'm not poo-pooing events, you know. Um, you know but the, the, the pressure was come, sometimes coming from 
you know, parishes coming from what I was seeing my colleagues across the country was doing, you know, but again, this is where I was fortunate when I first started working in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, I had really good mentors in, in Mike Norman and Sister Edith Prendergast uh, and, and Vicki Shep, among others, who basically said, we are about leadership development first and foremost. That is our priority. Youth events are secondary to that. They're important, uh, but they're secondary to the development of leadership in the parishes and schools that we work with. Now, why is that? Why, why is that a priority? I think it's a priority because I think that is ultimately the, the, the most important role the diocese can have is when you look at the entire diocesan structure, and this is true, whether it's in HR, it's in finance, it's the vicar for clergy, it's, it's the pastoral ministry offices, is that our job is to come alongside and support um, and, and to, to help parishes and schools thrive right? That's what I believe our entire focus should be. And so the best way to help do that is to do leadership development. And I, I, I stole this from John Maxwell, but I, I, I talk about the law of the lid, right? John Maxwell said in the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership is the law of the lid, right? The, the, the impact of an organization would only go so high as the leadership ability of its leaders. So the leader becomes the lid on how effective or how much your parish grows or your ministries grow. So if I, as a diocesan member, could be a lid lifter, I want to raise that lid in all of our leaders so that ultimately parish ministry, school ministries start to grow as well. You know, leadership is one of the most, I can't emphasize this enough, it's just how important leadership development and leadership growth is for all of us, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a youth minister, whether you're a faith formation director, a liturgist, whatever your role is, our job is to constantly be growing and learning to continue to grow our parishes. And the diocese should be coming alongside and providing resources and trainings and opportunities to help our members and our parishes and schools do that. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I remember when I first started out in youth ministry, um, you know, and for those of you who've been listening, you know, I'm here in the Archdiocese of Baltimore. Uh, We had a legend, uh, Mark Passion, um, who is our diocesan director. And I I met with him um, a couple of times when I started. And, you know, we talked about a lot of great things, but the one thing that never was made clear to me was what his role was supposed to be in my career, in my life. And it actually kind of remained this mystery until um, our current diocesan director, Craig Gould, and I um, sat down and, and talked about it a little bit. Because for a long time, I felt guilty that I wasn't going to certain diocesan initiatives or events because I felt that Mark and other diocesan directors I had were like this pseudo boss that worked alongside my pastor. And it was kind of like I had these two bosses. And if I wasn't doing these archdiocesan events or initiatives, that I was at risk of losing my job, even though it was never clearly explained like that. And when I talked to diocesan directors, there's, I wasn't the only one that fell under this belief that there were a lot of you know, youth ministers or religious educators or, or people out there that have viewed diocesan employees as their like second boss. And I think that's important because that might dictate some of the strained relationship that happens between parish employees and diocesan employees. I mean, is that fair to say? 
I think that's a really interesting perspective. And to be quite honest, I haven't ever thought about that. When I was in parish ministry, I never looked at my diocesan liaison, my diocesan staff member as that. And, and maybe that's just the relationship I had with them uh, at the time. Um, you know, but that I think that's really interesting. I think that's valid. I, I would I definitely understand why people would think that. Then I think it's part of the diocesan staff's job to to change that image, right? It's like it's got to come from us, right? It doesn't come from the parishes. It, it comes from people in diocesan offices. It's, you know, one of the first things I did when I moved to the Diocese of San Jose, and I was kind of uh, creating from scratch what it is that we were doing, because I didn't, I wasn't inheriting a whole lot, um, that I went around and met with every pastor, almost every pastor of the diocese, but I laid out the vision of what it is that we are about. And I said, and I basically said, here's who we serve, right? You know, and I and serve, and I listed in four, four, four people. Ultimately, I served the pastor first. Mm-hmm. Then second, I served my, again, my role was youth and young adult ministry. So secondly, I served the youth and young adult ministry leaders, uh, staff members of the diocese, of the parishes. Third, I served their volunteer teams, their adults. And fourth, I served their youth. And I articulated that, you know, in that order. So first and foremost, I may not be doing a whole lot with the pastors, right? Because my more direct contact is with the staff, the youth and young adult ministry staff at parishes. Um, But ultimately, I am responsible to, I should be held accountable by not only my my bishop, of course, but the pastors, right? Mm. Because ultimately, I'm serving the pastors. So I think a, a reverse, I created a reverse relationship. I wanted the pastors to know that they can call on me and I can come and do what they need to do. And if I'm not doing what they think I should be doing, then, then call me on that and let me know. And so that's what I mean by pseudo. Like I, in some senses, the pastors were quote unquote supervising me. They weren't right. They weren't my boss, you know, but I put them in a position to let them know I'm serving them. You need to let me know how I can best serve you. And then from there, youth, young ministry staff, volunteers, and then youth in that order. But then I outlined a, a vision with them in terms of what our mission was. And our mission, I, I stated very clearly, I said, our mission is about leadership development. And every pastor I met with, you know, understood that and they got that. And, and I helped them understand, just like we're trying to do now, like youth events, we'll keep doing some of these youth events, but that's not our primary focus. And I shared the same thing I just shared a few minutes ago with you guys. There's why if parish doesn't have good youth ministry, what good is a, a youth day or retreat if they come back to nothing, right? You know, and so, and they got that and they understood that. But again, I went in with a vision and was able to articulate that on my one-on-one meetings with my pastors, which then I, I did the same thing when I met with all the youth and young adult ministry coordinators and directors of the diocese as well. So it really, it's the other way around. I'm accompanying them. I'm serving them. So really, in some senses, they're my boss. Oh, by the way, the parish pays my diocesan salary, Right. Um, because we get a lot of our money from the annual appeal and, and all that stuff. We get diocese get money from elsewhere as well. But you, that's another reason. It's like the parishes really are paying my salary as a diocese, especially in a, in a pastoral ministry role. Well, and what's, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because um, that's like such a great resource, right? Um, the fact that, you know, as a youth minister um, and as a pastor, like I would have, these people who um, are at a centralized location who are there to support 
you know, my staff to support me, right? Now, your role was mainly in youth and young adult ministry, but there are other diocesan roles to support other parish staff, right? I mean, there's finance, um, there is HR, there's clergy personnel, you know, um, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of different roles there. But one of the big things too is not every role in the parish has that support person in the diocese. I mean, maybe you can fit someone into a certain like category or role, but when you say that's kind of the challenge is that because not every parish is alike, that um, it, it can sometimes create that um, disconnect with the, the diocese? Sure, absolutely. And, and I think the other thing that creates a disconnect, Chris, is, is that there are parish people, and I've seen it, so I understand it, parish people think the diocese does nothing for them. That's problematic. Now, that's not an issue with the attitude of parish staff, okay? That's, that's an issue of how the diocesan personnel, their attitude and how they view their role, right? And so let me take it to a higher level. And, and I did this a lot with the Diocese of San Jose is I, I worked with a lot of the offices. I worked with finance a lot. I worked with HR a lot. I worked with risk management a lot. Like that, that's what I did because we needed to have that relationship, you know? But again, this idea that, all of us, you know, we, we've got a centralized, many dioceses have a centralized HR process, a, uh, an HR information services system, a database, payroll, right? You know, these types of things. That system or, or accounting systems or all these systems that we have in place, fingerprinting, background checks, all those systems are created to support parishes and schools, right? right? So again, how do we create uh, an attitude of understanding in the diocese that all of us, I don't care what your role is, you're working in HR, your job is to serve the parishes, the schools. You're working in finance, same thing, right? And, and the reason this has been important for us, and the reason why we're talking about this right now, Chris, is because uh, my boss, Rich, and I, the parish success group, we have been asked more recently to come into diocese by bishops and have this conversation with the entire chancery staff. So not just the pastoral ministry offices, but, and I'm doing one here shortly in the new year uh, where we're, I'm working with the entire, the bishop wants me to come in. We're bringing in, we're bringing in the accounting and finance and HR and tribunal and everybody. We're all doing this together because the bishop realizes that there, there is this lack of understanding in the chancery culture about this idea of service. Right. right. Uh, and so, the bishop, you know, these bishops are colonists are aware of it, which is great. We know that Pope Francis is preaching the same thing, right? That we are to be the shepherds, that we are to be a service, that we be going out. We are a field hospital, right? You know, that that's what we do, um, you know, and so we're starting to see more of that. And that's why I think this topic has become so important. And, and again, Rich and I especially are working with dioceses and bishops to, to help provide that understanding and background because, um, that is a challenge and bishops come to us saying this is an area of development for us because you know parishes don't like diocesan offices and then the diocesan office doesn't like parish offices and then it's just like nobody gets along anymore and so it's what's been created is an us versus them mentality it's the parish versus the diocese the diocese versus the parish and that is not at all healthy because we are one organization supporting and working with each other but that image is not 
always there. Again, it depends on your diocese, but I'm seeing that tension throughout, you know, uh, and I think it's something that needs to be addressed, which is why we're having this episode in the first place. Yeah. So wh- why, why else do you think there is that tension, um, like between parishes and dioceses? Parishes feel that they give all this money to the diocese, whether it's the cathedraticum or the, the annual appeal that most dioceses, if not all dioceses do, and they don't feel that they're getting a return on that investment. So they're spending all this energy to try to raise money, give money to the diocesan office, but they're, they feel that that money is wasted because they're sitting there, and I get it, pastors could be saying, look, this is money that I could put to really good use right here in my parish, but no, I've got to give it to the diocese. What am I getting in return? Right. Uh, and again, it depends on your diocese. It depends on the relationship. But I see and hear that attitude a lot. And it's understandable because there are chancery offices across the country who just don't have that servant leadership mentality. We have to develop that more in our diocesan offices. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think that's that's definitely true. I think, um, you know, because I've heard that as well. It's like, what do I get from the diocese? And in fact, you know, like I'm, I'm definitely blessed to be in a diocese where, um, you know, and I've mentioned Craig before, I, I, I've had a diocesan director who cares in our professional development and our support and in our training. Um, and really has been a, a servant leader, but like, um, and it, it saddens me and it um, surprises me when I talk to other youth ministers who don't have a relationship with their diocesan directors, don't even understand the role that that diocesan director uh, plays. And then, you know, you meet <clears throat> some of these um, diocesan employees that I, I don't think have been given clear instruction, you know, or guidance on how to really serve um, people yeah. um, in, their, in their diocese. Absolutely. And here's what often happens, right? You get a really good, for instance, a faith formation director or a really good youth ministry leader in a parish. And, you know, the diocese is hiring and they're like, great, let's let's get them. And they hire this really fantastic person, take them out of the parish, put them in the diocese. But again, to your point, there's no guidance, there's no mentorship to help them understand what that role is all about. And again, fortunately, I had that mentorship. But this is where, for instance, some of the national organizations like the National Federation for Catholic Youth Ministry, National, uh, national Conference of Catechetical Leadership, like they, and, and there's many Catholic national organizations that support different dynamic roles across the diocesan structure. Part of the job of these national organizations is to help also create that mentorship and create that vision of what it is that diocesan offices should be doing. So, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of an onus on our national organizations as well. And I say that because I've been heavily involved with national organizations and I see how valuable they can be. And I have seen some efforts to do that. And, and I, I just think I keep encouraging that movement, you know, to help the mentorship. And, and this is where the regional structure too, Chris, comes into place. For, for those listeners who don't know in the United States, all the dioceses of the United States are broken up into 14 different regions. So for instance, uh, what are you, you're region four, right? Yeah, you know, Baltimore, four, right? Arch, Baltimore is region four. So where I am on the West coast, California, Nevada, Hawaii, America, Samoa, and Guam is region 11. There are, are, there's a structure in place at the regional level to kind of help people connect with. So how do you connect with your fellow diocese that are right next door? You know, if a, diocese, a new diocesan member comes in to say, 
a diocese, you know, let's just say Las Vegas, right here where I'm at, you know, how do we connect them with the Diocese of Reno and learn from their expertise and the Diocese of San Bernardino and learn from their expertise, right? So we've got these structures in place that, uh, that dioceses can take advantage of. And, and, and I think it's important that we do, you know, and, and be part of those, mm -hmm. those regional and national dialogues as well. No, this is good. This is good. So if I, if I'm listening to this and, um, well, and I am a, a parish employee, but if uh, our listeners are listening to this and they're, they're like me, they're a parish employee, what are some good steps that we should take to start engaging with our diocese, um, in a, a produ productive manner? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think first and foremost, sus suspend disbelief, <laughs> get rid of whatever negative attitudes you have and make that effort. Um, you know, you, certainly I want diocesan staff to make the effort, but I think it works both ways. So if your diocese is offering different things uh, at the diocesan level, try to make it a priority to attend and be part of those things and, and network with the other ministers across the diocese, connect with your diocesan staff, get to know them, build a relationship reach out to them and say, hey, can, let's go get a cup of coffee and just chat, right? And again, this is true, I think, in lots of, uh, it's not just pastoral ministry types of roles, but the business managers should be doing the same thing because there are roles within the diocese we should be doing, uh, you know, connecting with like HR office and finance office. I think fundraising development people, if, if a parish has that, you know, there's an aspect of that in diocesan office. So it's not just kind of the pastoral ministry folks, um, but, but liturgy, like all these aspects, make that effort. Now, I want diocesan offices to make that effort too. So I, I want it to be a two-way street. But try to suspend that disbelief that the diocese doesn't do anything for me. Just, uh, you know, and come with a positive attitude and say, well, let me just reach out to them. And not, that's what a leader does. And not wait for someone to reach out to you, you know, and, and make that effort and see what happens. I, I can't guarantee the results, obviously, because I don't know what's going on in every diocese. But make right. that effort, get connected, because the diocese does have a lot to offer. Um, and, and, and I want dioceses to offer more. But unless you and I as parish people are connected to that, we're not going to know what those opportunities are. Definitely, definitely. And, and then on the flip side, um, you know, you mentioned a couple of great uh, takeaways for diocesan directors going out into the parishes, you know, connecting with the pastors, um, you know, uh, meeting with people. What are, what are some good action steps they can take, especially with the new year approaching? Um, what are some goals or initiatives that they could put in place to uh, increase and enhance that relationship with the local parish? This is where I really kind of uh, focus in on what Pope Francis has been encouraging us to do. And we've been talking a lot about listening, right? You know, mm -hmm. um, we can't, as diocesan staff members, we can't truly understand what's happening in our parishes and schools unless we come on site, see what's happening and start listening, uh, you know, and hearing from the pastor or business manager or the principal uh, or the youth ministry director. And so come on site. It's great if you want to take a principal, if you're the superintendent of schools for your diocese, you want to take the principal out for coffee. But more importantly, go and see what's happening in schools, you know, go and see what's happening in youth ministry, go and see what the business manager is dealing with on a regular basis and build that relationship and listen. Don't assume that you have all the answers. You may have, you may very well have all the answers, you know, but don't assume that you do. Listening is a big part of Pope Francis is uh, initiatives and, and I think our diocesan offices should be doing the same thing but you got to go on site and see what's happening so that you know what type of resources what type of training what type of support you need to be providing parishes 
it starts with relationships. Go and build those relationships. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you had mentioned that Parish Success Group is starting to get, um, you know, in touch with a bunch of dioceses and, and working with some dioceses currently to, to help with those relationships. And, and I know with Marathon Youth Ministry, uh, it's been similar with our uh, new youth minister cohort and our Marathon Youth Ministry cohorts. It's not to replace the diocesan directors. Like you're not, Parish Success Group's not trying to replace diocesan offices, but it's more to like increase that uh, capacity because I, I think another thing we have to recognize as parish employees is the fact like us, our diocesan offices are stretched. You know, there's a lot going on uh, because there's just a lot of people in the world. And so, um, you know, whether they need to outsource or we need to, as uh, people in um, lay ecclesial ministry or in, in parishes or schools can figure out ways to serve them, to help them. I think, especially those of us who are experienced, I think that would be a great gift uh, for them. I think that's important to recognize. Just as parish budgets and resources have gone down in many places, that's the same has been true for diocesan structures. And depending on your diocese, you know, some are bigger, some are more rural. And so, for instance, uh, like here in Las Vegas, for instance, we've got parishes that are hours away. And I know, you know, a lot of, you know, well, a lot of dioceses are that way. And so it takes a lot more time, energy, and effort to go and connect with parishes uh, and understand what's going on if you have to drive like four hours to them. And so I understand that limitation. And I think parish folks should understand that limitation as well. But diocesan offices are stretched just as much as parish offices are stressed. And I think it's important to just recognize that and name that and, and, and figure out workarounds uh, to support that and figure all that out. Definitely, definitely. Well, John, thanks for sharing your insight and uh, your experience as a diocesan employee and, uh, and, and with Parish Success Group. And uh, if, if you want to learn more about how Parish Success Group uh, can, can serve you, not just in a diocesan level, but a parish level, John, where can people find you? Yeah, visit us at parishsuccessgroup.com or reach out to me directly, uh, especially on, on Twitter at John Ronaldo. And you can find me at all things Marathon Youth Ministry or go to marathonyouthministry.com. Again, uh, just working uh, with uh, dioceses and parishes to accompany the leaders um, who are uh, accompanying the young church. So um, again, uh, you can go to parishsuccessgroup.com or marathonyouthministry.com. But we would definitely love for you to go to the church podcast.com. Uh, O-R-G, especially if you haven't subscribed um, to catch up on all past episodes from 2019, 2018. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's it. We, we don't go before 2018. But uh, also, we'd love for you to uh, visit us on iTunes and leave a five-star review um, and share uh, this podcast with your friends. In fact, as we get ready for the new year, um, and as we get ready for Christmas, a great gift is the gift of the church podcast. So anyway, John, thanks so much for your wisdom. Would you close us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving, gracious God, we, as we move closer to, to Christmas and celebrate the nativity, we know that God became man to be uh, humbled, to be of service to, to mankind, to, to humankind. And so, Lord, the same way we in diocesan offices, we in parishes, in schools, we are called to serve, to accompany, to listen, and to support those uh, who are doing ministry and to support those that we're ministering to. So Lord, continue to send your spirit of service upon us so that we can continue to take seriously what Pope Francis and what our churches call us to be, these servant leaders who bring people to you, Lord, 
through the church community. So be with us, especially during this incredible, incredible season we call Christmas. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.